Hi, everyone, and welcome to Dance It Out, a Grey's Anatomy podcast. We're your hosts, Jasmine Petty. And Giuseppe Corallo. Thank you to everyone for joining us for our 40th episode. Yay! <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about this week's episode of Grey's Anatomy entitled, Should I Stay or Should I Go? So if you haven't seen it yet, there are spoilers ahead. Uh, start us off. Giuseppe, how are you? How are you feeling? Should I stay or should I go? I'm I sorry. Know. That song that is song. very, very catchy, right? So catchy. I love the clash. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm good. I'm good. I mean, I'm, I'm going to talk about some more during our recording of this episode because some things that are happening in my life right now in a strange way, and this has happened in the past as well. That's why I'm so connected to our character, but in some way are parallel to what's happening to Meredith right now. So... I'm fine, but I have had big decisions to make. And so it's been like a stressful time. But on Tuesday, I'm going to leave for New York. I'm going to go to New York to see the new play with Jess Williams, Take Me Out. I cannot, I could not be more excited. And of course, I will let you know how the the play is. So I can wait to leave. What about you, Jasmine? All right. Um, we were talking about this before we hit record, but um, I haven't been sleeping well for a while. Uh, so I've been given, you know, kind of the runaround trying to get my results reviewed. Um, so that's been a bit frustrating. Yeah. Um, and um, I just found out that um, that my roommate situation might be changing. So there's some changes there. It's kind of the end of an era. Um yeah. Work has been uh, crazy and then it slowed down. So it's been very crazy because we have an event this this weekend that's going on. Mm-hmm. And so we had a lot of stuff to prep for that. And then at least for the last, like I'd say week and a bit or so, it slowed down a little bit for me because like everybody else on the team is still busy. But like I've like I've done my part, like I've done all I can do and I'm just waiting for, you know, other people to finish their part or you're waiting for things to come in. So, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of, it's a bit of a waiting game right now. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm okay. Like I, I could be better. I could be worse. Uh, the weather's starting to get warmer and nicer here. Which um, is all a good thing. Yeah. Uh, it was 18 degrees yesterday, which was great. And, uh, yeah, so it's starting to feel a bit warmer, which is, which is always nice. Well, that's great. So I am pretty excited to talk about this episode, not because I love the episode, but because we're back after a big hiatus. So here we are again. And also because the 400th episode is approaching, is almost upon us. So it's going to, as we know, it's going to air on May 24th. It's going to be a two hour season finale. And have you seen all the pictures from the cast celebrating the big milestone? Yes, I have. I saw that. I saw the pictures on online, and I saw people they were comparing them to you know previous celebrations they've done, and the the cake looked pretty cool as well. But uh, it was so good to see all uh, you know all them celebrating. It, I, I hope it's a good, a great episode. I really hope so. And I was a little bit sorry that Shonda Rhimes wasn't there because even though right now she's not the showrunner of the show. She is the one who started it all. So I, I, I would have loved to see her there. She, she's always been there. So I think this is the first time she's missing a celebratory moment. So, but apart from that, I, I really love those pictures. And I really think, I don't know if you saw also the, 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 the pictures from the night party that they had with the red carpet. 
Ellen Pompeo. I mean, I saw these photos of Ellen Pompeo and she looks completely stunning with this suit. It's great. She, she's amazing. She's amazing. And, you know, to be here after 400th episode, it's pretty, it's pretty, I feel like I feel a whole person <laughs> just because I watched, I started watching it when I was 15, but it's all, it also, it feels great that, you know, that, that I, been there from the beginning that I've been so loyal to the beginning and I couldn't be more excited to see what they come up to they come up with so yeah yeah it's, it's exciting and um, yeah I, I think I saw that I think Shana Rimes did like a video message um but she wasn't there in person my, my kind of take was that I mean she did a video message she did a, I didn't see that oh yeah she did like there was um I saw someone did like an Instagram story I follow um Oh, the Nicole, the, the this one of the set decorators, and yeah. um, basically there was like a video. I don't know if it was live or it was recorded, but somebody stepped up to the mic and said, "Oh, and here's a message from Shauna Rhimes," and they oh. played it on the TV. Um, so my understanding was that you know I think she's off overseeing another production. Um, yeah, like one of the other shows I think she has for Netflix. Um, so she couldn't be there in person, which yeah. I mean, fair enough. Like I don't. It could have been something with Bridgerton. It could have been something else. Um, yeah, I think she was just busy doing something else. So they, like, she had a message that that was recorded. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't see that video. Oh, I'm sorry that I missed it because I always love hearing Shona's words. I really hope yeah. that she comes back, whatever the final season will be. I really hope she writes the series finale. Me too. Okay, I, I feel like that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be perfect because the way she channels the voices of these characters is uncomparable. At least, I think so. And also, I don't know if you heard about the scandal about the other another uh, writer from the show, Elizabeth Finch. Yes, I briefly saw something about it. I think. Oh my god! Do you want to do like a brief recap of what's happened with this writer? Because I think it could be interesting for our listeners. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. No, no. I mean, would you like to do it? No, no. Like I, I only saw one brief article. Okay, so. okay, okay. I'm gonna be really quick. So there are, there is, there, there is this two-part story which was published on Vanity Fair, and it seems like a legitimate story where Elizabeth Finch, who has been on the show with the show since I guess season ten, and she's also, she's also been one of the most prominent writers in the show. She was the one who wrote the Jaipal episodes. She was the one uh, who wrote the, um, the Joe's episode story, uh, the Joe's episode, the Silent All These Years, and she got a lot of cra- a lot of accolades for for that episode, which I'm sure that you remember. It's the episode in which there is the alley of women being there for Joe's patient. So basically, apparently. She, she always told the other writers in the room that she had cancer and that she had lost her brother and, and a lot of other things. Apparently, she, this woman did not have cancer. And this woman made up all these lies about her life and about her loved ones. And it was just a way to hog all the attention and to hog all the attention in the writer's room. And, and she did some incredible, horrible horrible things and she was such a manipulative person i mean this is what the vanity fair writes of course so um i think it's an interesting and fascinating read i think it could could become one day like a, a mini series because i mean there is a lot of story there and i really recommend you to to read the article if you can it's it's 
it's completely crazy, completely, completely crazy. Yeah. And it makes me a question. Um, it, it, it's in a way, it's like she tried to steal empathy and sympathy from other people. And I, I think that the people that, that know her must feel like completely devastated about what she has done. I cannot, I cannot imagine to, I cannot begin to, to understand and to imagine what it means to be played like that. Yeah, and I think she's going through a divorce from her wife as well, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. that's why the story actually came out because her wife, her ex-wife is, I mean, her soon-to-be ex-wife sent a letter to Shonda Rhimes and then Krista Vernoth reporting the lies of Elizabeth Finch. And that's, and this is also why Elizabeth Finch this says that, you know, these are all our lies, but apparently she has been let go from the show as she's on leave. And, and you know, when Vanity Fair does an article like that, I think they have their sources, their credible sources, I guess. But yeah, that's completely true. That's why the story, I mean, not, not, I mean, not the story of Elizabeth Finch, but yeah, it all started with the wife sending this email and saying, you know, you should let um, people who have had real cancer write about stories with cancer and you know yeah it's it's incredible it's incredible what people do sometimes yeah that's yeah it is crazy because I, I don't i saw something i think it was like a synopsis of from some other sources on you know like you know when you're reading something at the bottom there'll be like links to other articles or like related yeah. content yeah yeah something briefly i clicked on it was a very like a short blurb i don't think the story was that developed yet so i, I only seen something about it briefly and i was I kind of forgot about it. So thank yeah. you for informing our listeners. I think I will go read that article now just because yeah. now I'm curious. Yeah, um, you should read it. And also I've, I've just given you just the, like 1% of the story. It's a crazy the iceberg. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a crazy, crazy story. You, sh you should completely read it. Okay, Jasmine, do you want to do the 30 second recap for should I stay or should I go? Yes, I do. Okay, three, two, one, go. This week on Grey's Anatomy, Bailey faces an unhappy Catherine who is facing audits for several of her, of her foundation hospitals, and Addison is back at Greystone to care for her groundbreaking patient, Tova Friedman. Tensions rise between Meredith and Richard about her decision to take the job in Minnesota, and Owen and Levi return to work. Meanwhile, Winston and Maggie deal with a difficult situation regarding Winston's brother, Wendell, and Teddy and Owen clash over how to best parent Leo. Ta-da! Ta-da! Okay, I'll start. I, as I said, the 400th episode is approaching and I was hoping to have a more dynamic, uh, more powerful episode. Instead, I feel like, you know, like everything right now is stagnant, like nothing exciting except for Meredith is actually happening in the lives of these characters. I find the majority of storylines a little bit slow right now and I hope they pick up the pace they pick up the pace because I guess this felt like a filler episode for me and I get it because again we're approaching the finale so of course we have lots of storylines that are about to you know come to a head and they're taking their time until the season finale but at the same time I thought that overall it was not a pretty exciting episode the thing that actually made me love the episode was the final scene with Meredith and the incredible Ellen Pompeo's acting. What about you? Did you like this episode? I mean, I didn't, I didn't. Um, this one was kind of lackluster for me. Um, I agree that it felt like a filler episode. 
to be known, the storylines really popped. Um, it felt very slow. Um, I mean, there were certain storylines I think I enjoyed, but, you know, it didn't really grab me. Um, and, you know, this was, we had other episodes of mother shows to watch this week. So Amy and I are watching NCS Hawaii right now. And we finished the nanny and we just got into criminal minds. Hmm. Um, so, you know, she's seen all of that show and I, I haven't. So, you know, it's, it's, it felt kind of jarring, you know, going from stuff that was like very action packed and like really grabbed you. And then this episode felt very slow by comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to be honest, like, yeah, there was, there, like, I liked Addison's storyline that grabbed me. I love that she had, you know, her, her comments and the way she advocated for Tova. Um, I like the scene with Todd and, um, Joe, um, but, you know, I thought there was an interesting, I'll get into this later, but there's an interesting debate, you know, with Owen and Teddy over Leo. So there were certain little moments that, that grabbed me, but overall it felt kind of lackluster. Uh, I think we're on the, the same page. Um, yeah. there about the kind of like general feeling about the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a little bit meh, not bad, <laughs> not good, just a little bit boring. Again, as I said, the thing that actually for me made this episode was that last scene of Ellen of Meredith Gray coming home and finding uh Nick Marsh there. So as you know, I'm a big fan of the couple, and but the the reason why I love that scene, it's not just about the chemistry, it's not just about their incredible high level of um of um uh, of understanding each other and being able to talk to each other. Uh, but I love that moment because it was so real and it was so poignant and in a way, I felt like that was Ellen Pompeo talking to the fandom, talking to the studio, to ABC. Um, as you know, Ellen Pompeo has been trying to get out from the show for the past few years, but she always signs up again. And I think that sometimes she feels like, I mean, of course, they pay her a lot, so it's because of money, but also because she feels obliged to the, to the crew because she knows she knows that she makes the show and then when she decides to leave the show will end so i think she feels like a weight on her shoulders you know to keep this lucrative machine going and so when meredith is there talking to nick and telling him that she um that she earned the right to leave i i thought that a little bit could have been ellen pompo speaking um I thought that was incredible acting from Ellen and I could feel the pain of, of someone who right now is bullied because that's what's happening to Meredith. At least that's how I see it. Meredith is being bullied uh, just because she wants to spread her wings, just because she wants to see what's next in her career. I mean, I, I completely agree with her. She completely deserves to explore what's next in her life. and. I'm, as you know, at the end of the episode, she and, um, and Nick reach an agreement. They, she's gonna stay for a little while until the, until the hospital is in better shape with the residency program. And then she actually, they are going to leave for Minnesota. And I have to say that I'm starting to think, how are they going to ride themselves out of this storyline? Because right now it just feels that the right ending for Meredith will be for her to leave. So what they're gonna do, since we know that a season 19 is coming, and that's making me questioning what's next for Meredith, 
or for Alan Pompeo. Is she going to be back next season full time? Or is she going to be back like a recurring guest? I'm so curious because I think that we could have an interesting outcome for the storyline because right now the only way they could, they could, the only thing they could make her stay, I think it could be for her to be appointed chief of surgery, uh, the chief of the hospital. But again, they, I think that's going to happen, but I really hope not because I don't particularly would like for her to be chief. And I have explained in the past why, because I don't think this job would suit her well. But, but again, it could be, I think that maybe they're withholding something from us. Maybe Ellen Pompeo signed for a season 19, but for a reduced um, capacity in, in the role. I mean, I don't know. The question is, is she going to be back full time next season? Yeah, I don't know. That's the question, right? Because it feels like it's coming to a natural conclusion. But we know we have season 19, so I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, no surprise there. I didn't like the scene with Meredith and Nick, although that's, I mean, you know how I feel about them. I don't know. The whole, I think what bothered me was a lot of things bothered me. So I, I feel like, you know, leaving is the right decision for Meredith. She's earned the right to leave, rightly so. You know, like she says, everybody else for her program has moved on. She stayed and now they're, you know, basically penalizing her for it. I don't think it's fair to her. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I didn't, like, did we need a whole episode where she whined about that the whole time and everybody was mean to her? Was that necessary? I don't know. It just felt like that was the whole point of the episode was that Meredith wants to go. Nobody wants her to go. But instead of expressing that, they're just being mean to her. And she's left feeling wronged. And like, it just, it, I just didn't love it. And I, I think what bothered me about that scene as well is that, you know, there was this whole fan thing going around, you know, when Hayes was still on the show, you know, for the season, hoping to, you know, have a scene with the two of them on her front porch swing or a kiss on the porch. And, you know, there was that whole, I don't know if this is true or not, but there was that whole thing or who went, that went around where people were saying, you know, that there was a, a, a kiss between Meredith Hayes that was filmed like in the rain that was, you know, never aired. And so to me, the whole scene just left a bad taste in my mouth because, you know, me and so many others were so excited for that. And to never have gotten any real content there. And then for the turnaround after bringing Nick back and be like, yeah, now here's a scene on her porch. Like, I get that you're into it and I get that. But for me, I was just like, I'd seen some pictures online. I'm like, oh, I know I'm going to hate this scene. And then what else other also bothered me too is that like Nick made the decision to take these personal days to do all this stuff without talking to Meredith first. Like he showed up on her porch is like, here's what I think we should do. And I've already gone ahead and made plans to this end. And Meredith is like, well, that's not what I want to do. You know, like he should have, I, I think what he should have done is, is either called her or been like, hey, here's an idea that I have. What do you think? Or showed up and been like, hey, here's like, here's my idea. What do you think about this? But instead he presented it as, here's what I've already gone ahead and done. Also, how long was he waiting on her porch? Were her kids home? Were they with the nanny? Like, how long was he just chilling on her porch? So that's just kind of how I felt about that. Yeah. Uh, something else I'd like to talk about is uh, Addison and Meredith and Richard's case, uh, because I really loved um, Kate Walsh's acting um, in, in that in that case, in that uh, particular scene when she, you know, she tried to get everyone to take a moment in the scrub room and they weren't getting it. And I could just feel the setup. I'm like, oh, I know what's going to happen. And then she went off on them and it was like, 
you know, like basically her whole point was enough of your administrative BS. A woman just lost a pregnancy. Like, can we not just take a moment for that? Like, these are human, this is a human being, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but she was like the sane one, the, the 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 wise one. She was the one who called them on their bullshit. I love that line in which she said to Levi, I'm not a school teacher. I don't care who's talking to whom. Yeah, I love that too. Because Amy and I were, were talking about this and, you know, I, I, I know it's the show, but I said, imagine like, imagine you're going in for like a very, you know, complicated procedure you know this is your last kind of chance and you know you overhear one of the people who's treating you say something like that to the lead surgeon like like imagine you heard that like I would be like um I'm not sure I want to be operated today (laughs) yeah yeah get me somebody else like yeah yeah absolutely absolutely yeah I think the Thomas case was was powerful and I love to see Edison back. But at the same time, I I don't think this return had such an emotional punch. It was like maybe because it was the first time, the third time that we see her back this season, but I expected like a little bit more, like something bigger, because this is probably the last time we'll see Edison. And I don't think she she had like a I don't know, like, like I would have loved to see her, to see her with Amelia again. I would have loved to see another emotional conversation, but I don't know if that happened. I think that what was interesting about Edison's return to me was that, of course, as you said, the fact that she was in the middle of Richard and Meredith's storyline. By the way, Richard is being so, so insufferable. I hate him right now. Anyway, but... Um, what I loved was how she's questioning Richard, how she's making him rethink about the past, how she's telling him that the way the teaching is done right now, maybe it's not the best way to teach, that this new set of doctors or, or, surger- or surgeons in the future maybe needs better training. And she doesn't have the hands work to, under- to know what, what's, what's the right way to proceed, but she's challenging Richard she's telling him maybe the system is broken just find a new way to fix it I find a new way to to improve it and I I think that's going to be a big part of the finale yeah I agree I also would have liked to see you know I want to for Addison to meet Scout you know for her to be made godmother for there to be another emotional scene you know with her and Amelia I just kind of feel like she popped in for a visit the same way she did when private practice was on the air right yeah right and if that was still the case then yeah that would be fine but it's not the case private practice has been off the air a long time and you know this should be a bigger deal and I I said to Amy too you know how far Addison has come because you know she started off on the show as the person who put you know you know the, the black panties on the bulletin board and was being extremely childish and you know basically refused to accept that her marriage was over and so made her life, Derek's life, Mary's life, every like other people's lives miserable because you couldn't accept that. To someone who's like, I want the best. I don't care who's talking to who. We need to be respectful of this patient. And when she says to, to Richard that, you know, pa- like patients are not wins and losses. They're human beings. It took me years to unlearn that. Mm-hmm. And I like that transition and that, um, you know, the growth that showed there because it made, reminded me of a scene in private practice where, um you know, she'd been coming and going from the hospital and she's talking to this, this spouse, the husband, 
And at one point he asks her, you know, because she's considering going back to, you know, surgery full-time um, at that point in private practice. And he, he says to her at one point, he, he goes, what's her name? And she goes, what do you mean? And he goes, you keep saying her, what's her yeah. name? And she yeah. can't answer him. And she realizes that like, as much as she enjoys surgery, she, she doesn't want that balance in her life of private practice and being able to treat patients because she's seeing, she doesn't even know this person's name, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and you want a surgeon who knows your name. You want someone who, you know, who, who really cares, who feels invested in, in, in your treatment. Um, so I, I thought it was, it was neat that they showed that, that growth, that progression as a character um, from her. And I, I think those scenes showed, you know, where Meredith and Addison have come to in their character development over the years. Yeah, absolutely. I love that moment as well. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that as well. Yeah. And also another thing that I loved about this episode was the main theme, which was about burnout. Apparently it has been classified as a disease starting in 2019, as this the opening voiceover says. And I, I really, I really get the burnout thing uh, because as I was saying before, I'm in a moment in my life in which I have had to decide between staying in the job I am and getting a new opportunity. That's why I relate to Marif Sterling so much. And I get burned out because, you know, sometimes you just get at the end of the day and you're just, you cannot take it anymore. And so as much as I'm not really fond of Bailey right now, because I think that she's being such an aggressive person, I mean, and in such a manipulative person, I mean, I hated the way she's guilty, convincing Joe into going back to surgery. I think that was not right. I think that was not fair to, to Joe. Um, but I also loved that at the end, Bailey tells Catherine that she, she just needs a day or two days off, that she just needs to stop, that she just needs to rest. And I remember a previous episode, I don't know which one it was, but I think it was during season 17. Yeah, I think it was last season, in which was this character who interacted with Betty and who taught her that to rest is actually not a bad thing, you know? That to rest it means, you know, to love yourself. So I loved that at the end of the episode, Bailey decides to just take a step back, just to reassess everything that's happening. and just to come back more in a more proactive role you know what I mean so I'm I'm happy to see Bailey taking care of her mental health yeah I am too I feel like she, she's come around on that and that's good at the same time I also agree that you know what she asked of Joe wasn't fair wasn't right um you know for her to take that for for her own mental health and take that time and then go to Joe and be like hey I know this no longer makes you happy but you know to leave her OB spot or like at the end of the episode Joe decides to do both like Joe's gonna burn herself out and so you know Bailey's taking care of herself but she's not thinking about what she just asked of Joe and how Joe can't take care of herself and her own child if she goes through with that to try and help yeah um and since we know Joe has a history and Bailey knows this, that's the thing Bailey knows this and like Joe has a history of mental health issues and is a domestic violence survivor. And, you know, like Joe's been through a lot. It would be very easy if she gets burnt out, it would be very easy to fall off that cliff and, and to be in a bad place again, mentally and physically. Um, I don't think that's fair to Joe. 
Um, especially since, you know, uh, Bailey, you know, Joe stood up for Bailey in a previous episode, you know, to the to the accreditation people. I don't think that's uh, fair of her. And speaking of Joe, right now she's, I mean, it's shaping up to be a triangle between Joe, Todd, and Ling. I just want to say a few things about it. So first of all, as I said at the, uh, the beginning, they feel like they're filler characters right now. They don't interact with other people. They just, they're like in their own bubble. And I feel like that Joe and Link as a couple, it's just like a, the writers coming up with, okay, let's pair the spares, you know? So that's what it feels to me. These days, it just feels like, like they don't have a place in the show. I'm sorry to say this because I think Joe has a lot of potential, but she's just, she just disappeared from the main narrative. And another thing that I want to say is why are the writers trying to make Link such a jerk this season? I mean, Ooh, every- okay. So Amy heard a theory about this that I want to share. Okay. So I, 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 guess, I, I guess you agree with Link being a jerk right yeah, now. Yeah, he's a total jerk. That, so she saw a theory online that people are speculating that they're planning on killing him off this season or in the near future. And so that's why they're trying to make him more of a jerk in the oh. preparation for killing him off. I don't know if that's true, but I thought it was an interesting theory. Oh, that could be. You I know, mean, like I, they're trying to make him more of a jerk. Because yeah. if he's super likable, it's going to be super sad, right? Trying to make him more of a jerk or maybe a redemption arc or maybe he redeems himself right before he dies. Like, like, and I don't know if the actor's leaving the show or maybe going on to something else. Like, I, I don't know. But that's the theory she heard. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah, 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 I agree. It's interesting. But again, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I feel like Joe and Link are destined to be together, not because of their chemistry, but because, again, Amelia is going to be, I guess, endgame with Kai and Joe has no other thing happening in her life right now. So I don't know. I'm just not invested into them. I, I, I really hope that they improve their writing because right now, if I mean, if Joe were to leave, I would be like, mm, OK, that's fine. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Personally, I love Todd and Joe, so I'm rooting for them, especially since this theory is going around about like possibly dying. Um, in the past, I would have said, well, there's no way Todd's ever going to be a thing because, you know, he's not a doctor. But a lot of the things that were, you know, staples of the show have disappeared in more recent years with the current show writing, writing team. So since, you know, anything is kind of possible at this stage in the game, I, I love Todd and Joe. I think they have amazing chemistry. I really like the actor who plays him. So I'm team Todd and Joe. And maybe, you know, maybe I'm foolhardy there, you know, because I, I, I do see your point that like Todd, uh, sorry, Lincoln Joe, maybe Endgame. But, you know, for right now, I just have to take what fractions of joy I can still get out of this show because I dislike most of the storylines these days. Um, so I, I, I just love this approach. Yeah, so I have to take what scrap of joy I can get out of this show. And Amy and I were talking about this the other day that, you know, watch it because we've come this far and we don't have to pay to watch the show. And, you know, we'd rather form our own opinions. And she was saying, too, that, you know, we were talking about, I was talking about the photos I'd seen at the port scene, how frustrated we are about Meredith and Hayes and everything. Because she was kind of waiting on that. And then she came back around. And I think a lot of people did just in time for them to, to like, you know, destroy that storyline, which was very upsetting, I think, for a lot of us. Um, but something she, she made a good point. She said that, you know, she thinks it was a real shame that we were robbed of any kind of physical contact in season 17 and that she'd wish they'd done a better job of that because 
you know, Amelia and Link and Maggie and Winston got it on and we kind of saw their relationships, but nobody else really did. And I mentioned that I, you know, I'd read things before that season came out where, you know, people were interviewed and they were saying, oh, you know, we're trying to figure out how to do those scenes. And, you know, you can do things like, you know, you see clothes falling to the floor. And so that's what I was, I was expecting creative camera angles. That's what I was expecting out of that season and this one. And instead we've just gotten cutaways or nothing at all. And we were talking about how that's really impacted our enjoyment of the show because it takes a lot of the spice and the, you know, the the emotional investment out of it uh, for both of us. So yeah, what other scrap of, of joy I can find? Yeah, you can get it and you grabbed it, of course. And what about the Teddy and Owen and Leo storyline? Does it bring a little joy? I mean, as a viewer, are you enjoying it? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say it brings joy, but I, I do think I'm enjoying the storyline. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on this. First of all, never, if, if you told me this was going to be a storyline a few years ago, never in my life would I have expected, Amy and I both said this, would we have expected Owen to be the one yeah. who was like pro-trans rights and being like, yeah, oh, right. you know, he's, I think being a dad has really changed him. He's really come around and seen another perspective, which I think has been real growth for his character. Yeah. Um, He's gone from someone who was, you know, adamantly anti-choice and adamantly like anti-assisted dying and like anti all the stuff because he didn't think it was right. And he didn't understand, you know, and everyone should want to have children to someone who who understands that now is, you know, pro-assisted dying, pro-choice, pro, you know, people making the decision that's right for them, letting their kid be who their kid wants to be. Um, so that surprised me in a good way. Um, and I, I never thought I'd say this, but I agree with Owen in this storyline. Um, if, you know, if Leo says that they're a girl, they're a girl. If they say they're a boy, they're a boy. And I liked his comment about, remember when Leo said he, he was an owl? Yeah, he, yeah. You didn't correct him then. Also, I wonder what the experience is like for that kid, because it's a, um, <laughs> like, it's a girl actor that plays that kid. So yeah, you, you, yeah, okay, I remember correctly because you told me that, that yes. you, she was a girl, right? And so, like, I it makes me wonder because you like it's hard to coach kids when they're that young. I wonder if like, like, there's a storyline they built around that, but like every time I see that kid on screen, I'm like, did was that a planned storyline, or did that kid just say something and they were like, let's roll with it? <laughs> yeah, right. They're yeah. so young, and I feel like it could be a little bit of both. Like, I feel like they could have said something to the kid about like, hey, this person's going to ask you something. Like, can you respond this way or like respond how you feel comfortable? And mm -hmm. then they just kind of set it up with the actors and gave them possible script options and just kind of rolled with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but about it, too, because it's such an important topic, an important storyline. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm curious as well. And also, did you see that this actress, I mean, you told me that she's a girl, the way she she looks for for Kevin McKeith's ha uh, hand, I think she's it's I thought it was such a sweet moment, you know, it just felt so natural. The connection that Owen has with Leo, it, it felt really great. Yeah, and I feel like, um, obviously, I remember seeing an old interview with Patrick Dempsey one time where he said, you know, filming with children can be a real nightmare because if a kid doesn't like you or the baby doesn't like you yeah. and you're supposed to be their parent and what a nightmare, because they were filming with a lot of twins at that point in the show yeah. and um, like how difficult that was. 
so you can, I agree, I think you can see that, I mean, the actors playing both Owen and Leo have a connection there. They clearly, they get along very well. And so I wonder if that kind of played into how they did this storyline and who took what point of view. Like, I wonder, you know what I mean? Because if a, if a child is more at ease yeah. with somebody, you, you want to play into that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, for those yeah. kind of candid moments. Yeah, and I agree. I really I like that moment too, and I thought it was good. And I liked it that Owen stood up for for Leo. It was that you know Leo is what he, Leo's going to be, and we just need to support and love them. And I felt like Teddy was more like when they brought this up previously as well. I feel like they were more. She was more preoccupied with um, like what Owen's mom was mm-hmm. going to say or think, and mm-hmm. what other people were going to say and think rather than you know what would be best for leo and i I, like i do get that fear i I do understand why you'd be fearful about that but at the same time as owen points out leo's going to be what leo's going to be um you know telling them that they're wrong is only going to make it worse um and you know and i i like the kind of they've reached agreement at the end where owen said okay well we'll see a therapist but for us not for leo Leo doesn't need a therapist to tell Leo who Leo is. And Amy had a good point. She said, I wonder how many kids out there get yeah. really messed up because they're made to see therapists when they don't need therapy. Yeah. Yeah. About, like about things that they don't need therapy on. Their parents are convinced they're confused or they see a yeah. bad therapist or someone who tries to fix a problem that isn't there. I actually experienced it because, you know, I, okay, I, I'm not a transgender person, as you know, but I'm a gay man. And uh, when I was a kid, uh, I played with Barbies, you know, with Barbie, with dolls. Yeah, yeah. My, my parents brought me to a uh, psychologist because they thought that was a problem. And they kept wondering, uh, why does he play with dolls? They thought, I mean, it was another time, of course. It was the beginning of uh, of the nine. Oh, I mean, it was like around 1993, 1994. So I get that. But at the same time, it can be really stressful and wrong for, as you said, for a kid to, to go through that. Because Owen says an, an important uh, line. He says, let's not be our kids first bully. And mm-hmm. that is a thing that it's supposed to, that I think every parent should remember. You know, the only way to to have a, a healthy and 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 great life is to have your parents there supporting you and not being against you. And that's really complicated. But you know what about this storyline? I think that of course I'm with Owen. I think they should be the ones to go to therapy and not Leo, but I loved the way the writers approached the storylines because I don't think Teddy is coming from a bad place, you know, from a hill place. She's trying from a place of uncertainty, of not knowing what to do. She she doesn't want to do anything wrong. She doesn't know how to act. She, she doesn't know what to do. And, 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 and Teddy is a good person. She just doesn't know what's the right thing to do. So what I think is interesting is that she's never portrayed as the villain and Owen as the perfect one. They're portraying, they are portrayed as a couple who's trying to understand what's the best course of action. And I, I really loved the way the subtlety of, of this 
again, of, of the way the writers are writing the storyline because I never thought for a second, oh, Teddy is such a villain for doing through saying this. Teddy is just a person who doesn't know anything about this kind of thing. And it's, she's just worried that she might do more harm than good. So I'm, I really like this storyline and I hope they continue exploring it because I think it is an important, important storyline. And as long as the writers continue to write it in such a powerful and not uh, like that's her take moment, I, I, I guess I'm completely on board. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry you went went through that as a kid. That uh, that sounds yeah. awful. Yeah, yeah, but again, it was not because my parents were bad people. My parents. No, are, no, of course not. My parents are great, amazing, amazing people. It's just that sometimes you just don't know better, you know. And again, those were different times. But sometimes you just you just don't know, and it's it's ignorance that makes you make that makes you make mistakes. But and. and so yeah, yeah. And another storyline is the Megan Winston storyline. I'm gonna say two things about the storyline and then it's all yours. I find it so, so boring because I think that Megan Winston as a couple are super boring. And I find it a boring storyline with his brother. And the last scene between Wendell and, and uh, what's his name, God, and Winston, when he says to when and Wendell says to Winston, "Oh, you have to prove me that I'm family, and that so you have to pay my my debt." I was like, "Oh God, no!" I think that was so manipulative, and I just just hate him. And I just hate when I mean I'm an only child, so I don't know what it means to have a brother, but I would hate for to be put in that situation. And I I think that if I had a brother who told me something like that, like that, I would tell him, "Oh no, just you know." I'm not going to help you because you're not a child and you put yourself in this situation. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, I'm also an only child. And when I hear people's stories about their siblings, I've noticed this story where people will tell me this horrible story about how much their siblings suck. And I'll be like, wow, I'm so glad. And people do this with their kids too and not with their pets. I don't get this. Like so many people <laughs> will tell me a horrible story. And I'll be like, wow, I'm really glad I don't have siblings, pets slash kids. And they'll turn around on me and be like, oh, my God, they're my best friends. I love them so much. They're so great. How could you ever say that? And I'll be looking at them being like, well, like, did you not just hear yourself? Like, yeah, that story was awful. Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that's one thing I really appreciate about Amy's friendship is so she has two siblings, an older sibling and a younger sibling. And she's never in her life, like never in her life has she has she pulled that on me and been like, here's a horrible story. And then made me try to make me feel bad for me being like, that was a horrible story. Yeah. Um, so I, that's something I very much appreciate about her friendship. Um, and her siblings are good people. Like she has a, a good relationship with, with her siblings. Uh, but yeah, I agree. If somebody, if someone came up, if a sibling came up to me, if I had one, and ask me that I'd be like same thing I'd be like no you got yourself into this mess like if they were younger maybe I yeah. might give them a loan or I'd be like well I could co-sign on a loan for you from the bank or something like I could help you out but um I mean in this situation he, Wendell lied the whole way through and now he's trying to make Winston feel guilty and help him out and and like obviously Winston can't hawk a faulty product these are people's lives at stake he's not going to do that he took an oath um and amy was like i feel like i would just be like i'd either be like no 
or I just like give him the money as a gift and be like, this is the last time I'm ever helping you take this money, get lost. Like, don't come back kind of a thing. Like, I'll give you this money, but you don't like, don't ever like, this is the only, this is the last time. Like, it's like, I'm not offering you anything else. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I felt about it. Cause I mean, he basically, he lied about his job. He sunk all his money into something that's not legit. I mean, one of the funny yeah. moments of the episode was when they tried it on that patient and Maggie's like, you're dead. And like, Winston's like, oh, let me try. I'm also, you're also dead. And the guy was like, well, that makes me feel a little bit more comforted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun. But one thing that I kept wondering was how Wendell, how did Wendell think that, I mean, that he could have cheated people? Of course, when you present new mesh, uh, new stuff to, to, to an hospital to, to people, they're going to try it before buying it. So how would he, how does he think that this could have worked? I have no idea. I don't know. I think, I, so my, my implication understanding there was that like, he he thought they did work and whoever sold him on these things like said they had been tested and that he was gullible enough to believe them kind of a thing that was my kind mm. of impression and that like he thought they worked and so you know he thought oh you know I'll get my brother to kind of promote these and I'll make all this money and it'll be great yeah. well, well we'll see what happens but again I don't know where this storyline is going I think like it's going nowhere and I I'm just not interested in these characters right now and I and another pairing that I'm not very invested are is Levi and Nico but I have to say two things about this storyline Levi I mean it's just now is I mean And up until last episode, he was devastated by the loss that he had suffered as a surgeon. Now this episode, just because he saved his mom's life, is back like nothing happened. I mean, thank God we see in the promo for next week's episode that something the, the patient a surgery triggers him and he is in the R with, with Nick Marsh. So I really hope they they actually continue that storyline because I felt like there was. Like it, it wasn't genuine storytelling. And, you know, I, I would have loved to see he, to see Levi questioning himself before going completely back on work. Instead, the writers did what they often do. They 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 write problems like they're big, insurmountable things, and then poof, everything disappears and the character is okay. And I just don't like when they do that. But again, next week, it seems like the, he's going to face consequences for what's happened. And another thing is that I completely hate Nico. He's such a terrible person. If a person doesn't show up when you're your lowest, well, then he doesn't deserve to be next to you when you're happy. So I really hope this is the end for them because there is nothing redeeming they can do with that character. He's a terrible, terrible, selfish man. I mean, Levi has had a terrible time. Uh, the ma Levi's mother was at the hospital uh, fighting for her life and he's there with this stubborn pride. I'm sorry, I'm completely out of this ship. Nico is a terrible, terrible person. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, I never liked them as a couple, to be honest. And I really hoped at the end of last season that he was gonna, you know, get with the vaccine guy. I was, yeah, yeah, I, was, I love. Yeah, I was sad they didn't go for that because they set it all up and they had such great chemistry. And it's like, nope, he's back with this jerk. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, so yeah, I wasn't loving that either because, like, 
yeah, it's like that scene in the elevator. He was like, like, you know, when you were hurting, I kept showing up. And he's like, well, I guess it's the difference between you and me. And it's, you know, speaking to Shonda Rhimes, it's like Shonda Rhimes always says, when someone tells you who they are, believe them, you know? Yeah. And her, yeah. her asshole test and all that stuff. I mean, you know, so Nico has been very clear about who he is to Levi. Levi needs to believe him and move on and find somebody else. Maybe vaccine guy could come back. Maybe, you know, he'll find love with somebody else, you know. What if he finds love with Perez? Oh, I don't think I'd like that. They're very different energies. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like both those characters. I just, I feel like Levi's a very, I feel like I have more in common with Levi. I feel like he's more of an anxious person and Perez is very let it roll off your shoulder chill. And yeah. I don't think those types of people work as a relationship. I think they can work as friends. That's definitely worked out for me, but I, yeah, I don't, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think they have the same energy. Yeah, I would love for vaccination guy to be back. He was so cute and they had great chemistry. I really don't know why the writers are so hellbent on on this couple. Also, the thing that I don't that I don't get is if they want them, if the writers want them to be endgame, why they are they why do they keep writing Nico as a a jerk? I mean, why should the viewers be invested in him. I just, I, I, I don't get the reasoning. I just, I don't. And speaking of strange things, I want to speak about stranger things. <laughs> I mean, Jasmine, you recorded the podcast that you talked to us about, right? Yes, I did. So I recorded um, the Stranger Things podcast. My um, guest appearance on Ham Radio, a Stranger Things podcast last weekend. Uh, it was super fun. I had a great time. Um, Ashley and the team were super nice. Uh, so the episode on Future will be out on May 13th, and I will be uh, sharing a link. Um, it will share it on our socials, and then you'll see the link um, here as well um, when it becomes available. Uh, we talked about our thoughts on Stranger Things seasons one through three and our predictions and hopes for season four, which will be dropping at the end of this month, uh, the first part anyway. Um, you can find the Ham Radio podcast wherever you get Dancing Out of Grey's Anatomy podcast. Um, and if you're a fan of Stranger Things like I am, uh, you can find uh, the Ham Radio podcast on Twitter at hamthrough and on Instagram at ham.radio.media. Oh, that's great. Well, I, can, I mean, I, as you know, I'm not, I, I never watched an episode of Stranger Things, but I'm curious to, to see what you do when you're not on this podcast. Should I be jealous of you? <laughs> <laughs> anyway i think it's time for our one of my favorite moment which is our favorite quote or moments from the episode so what was yours if i had to pick one i'd say the speech that and the scene that addison where addison is in the scrub room and she says to everybody else you know like this woman just lost a pregnancy that she fought for can we just take a moment you know to honor that i just mm -hmm. i felt that because um, with Tova's case, normally when there's stuff about IVF, those storylines bother me because, um, you know, I, I've known so many people who've gone through the foster care system and the adoption process that to me, I mean, everybody has their own journey, but to me, all those storylines feel very selfish. Like you have, we've had storylines where, you know, there's one, like an earlier case, I think that Meredith and Christina and Izzy work where like this woman puts herself through several rounds of IVF, winds up pretty like quadruplets, some of them went up dying, she puts her health at risk, the husband's freaking out. And I'm like, you put yourself at risk 
for all this to put yourself through more pain when there is, you know, there's a loving, there's so many loving children out there who would love to have you for a parent, you know, who mm-hmm. already exist, who could use a loving home. Um, so those storylines often bother me and rub me the wrong way. But this one I really understood because like, you know, th- this woman, you know, she she wanted the options that were available to her. She wanted to do this with, with her husband who then passed away. Um, she wasn't doing anything crazy. She wasn't being irresponsible. She, you know, she was doing something that, that, that you know, uh, that made sense with a doctor that could help her in a way that made sense. Um, yeah. And she'd fought so hard. She'd done everything right. And that's part of, I think, the heartbreaking part is that sometimes you do everything right, medically speaking, and something can still go wrong. And yeah, I, my heart broke for her. And, you know, that moment where Addison like had a moment in the OR and she was like, Meredith was like, I'm really sorry. And she's like, I know she threw some stuff and she was like, okay, let's, let's do what we need to, to, you know, to save this patient, make sure she's okay. And that's what I think a responsible doctor does, you know, they take a moment and they're like, God damn it. And then they come back and they focus and they help their patients. Um, I love that scene. And I also, as a runner up, I love the scene where Levi, you know, you kind of that moment where, you know, he was struggling too. And he, he realized he could use his own experience to help this woman who was grieving and did the prayer and helped her, her grieve in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a really, really sweet moment and it made me cry. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I really love that moment. Um, Cause I think that's, that's what a good doctor, I think what a good healthcare worker in general does is, you know, using your own, there's, you need to be professional, but you can also use your own personal experience in a in an appropriate way to reach out and to be there and support someone who's going through something difficult. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that's my favorite and that's the runner up. Um, what about you? Well, I'm going to be repetitive, but I love the last scene of Meredith. Uh, for the reasons that I told you earlier. And also, again, I was, I think it was Owen's line, let's not be our kids first bully. I think that was really powerful. Yeah. And that's our show. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review, and of course, tell your friends. Our theme song is inspired by Kelly McLeod. You can find us on Twitter at density.pod and on Instagram at density.grazeanatomy. Until next time, I'm Giuseppe. And I'm Jasmine. And this is Dance It Out. A Grey's Anatomy podcast.